Welcome on all to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast, sponsored by the Fat Ball Bar and Restaurant. Well, uh, where where to start after yesterday's game? Uh, Andy, you're too hungover to come, first of all. Uh, Tim, why don't you tell us? Uh, I'm not hungover. What? I'm not what? even had a drink. Oh, no. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Just, you know, it's just... just a default. We've, we've literally just been through a character assassination from Mikey Hughes. He's put a comment on uh, YouTube on the last video about Andy. So he's very, very sensitive. I can guarantee <laughs> that Philpin is definitely not hungover today. Look at his sprightly eyes, for God's sake. I'm ready. To, I'm, I could run a bloody marathon. <laughs> well, don't do that. Instead, Tim, tell us what you thought of yesterday's game. It was absolutely insane. Um, at half time, four one down. I spoke. I had to go. It takes something special for me to leave my seat for that fifteen minute slot. Um, so I literally went down to the concourse because I need to clear my head, kind of reduce my anger levels because I was just furious at what had transpired in that first half. There's no fight, no real winning any battles, no interest really from the players. It seems so. I was a bit, a bit fed up. And a guy in the concourse said, "Oh, this will be another bar, and it will win this seven five. I was like, "No way." It's not happening. We, you know, it's a different league, different standards. It's not happening. Um, he wasn't quite right, but the way it panned out, um, the best point we will ever gain, I think. Um, it's certainly the best point in a long time. And I, I, can't, I think to this day, I don't think we've been involved in a 5 all draw. Somebody uh, pointed out yesterday that the highest ever highest ever scoring draw in the league was a 6 all one Leicester Arsenal in 1930 or something. So, but the game was just daft, and you can't really s- summarise it in 30 to 60 seconds. It was bonkers. The defending was awful. The attacking was brilliant. Um, the atmosphere was amazing. And we all walked away with our jaws on the floor, and not for the first time watching Rex in the last few years. Andy um, Gilpin, uh, why don't you tell us what you thought and introduce uh, our guest? All right. Um, I'll tell you, tell you what I thought first. Right. Okay. It, it adds to the whole mantra around Wrexham. The, the crazy script, you know, I was just watching the highlights now and obviously the fellas went on about Hollywood scripts and Hollywood endings and could you write this? Yeah, okay, I'm pretty fed up of that by now, but but there is some, something to it. So let's, let's, take, let's take each part of the team. So the front two, I thought they were great. Absolutely no complaints there. Bickerstaff, he's rough, but he, you know, he's a raw, but he keeps, he keeps scoring and he tries and I can't, I can't fault that guy. Um, I'm almost getting to the position now. If if Mullins not as bad as everyone says he is, then then don't go and buy anyone. We we don't need to. Bigger staff can can carry carry the fight for us for the next couple of weeks. Uh, wing backs fine. Like like to see Mendy go past people. Same with Barnett. Maybe you need to tie up a little bit uh, defensively. But that brings up to my next point. So midfield, they are not bad players. They are just too open. When I saw Cannon was in the deep lying role uh, in in the team sheet, I I thought we might be in trouble because I knew I knew Swindon are a good little passing side. And looking back at the goals of I just as I just have a couple of minutes ago, a couple of times Cannon could have come out and really closed someone, but didn't. Uh, gave them a bit of space and they scored. So, as a bare minimum, I would play Luke Young in there, uh, not just because he's the captain, not just because. You know he's a good, gritty defensive midfielder, but but because he leads by example, and you know 
Luke Young wouldn't have stood for that first half performance yesterday. He would have been going absolutely apeshit over it. And he would have set the tone a little bit better than our midfield did yesterday. So I'm not saying Cannon's a bad player. He's obviously a very good, skillful player, which Parkey wants to really integrate into the side. But I just don't think he's your deep-lying midfielder, especially when you've got zippy players coming and getting past you and, you know, doing little doing little one-twos, which was happening yesterday. So, you know, as, as, a, as a default, I would go young. If he doesn't want to go young, O'Connor. But I just think you need someone anchoring that midfield a little bit better than we had yesterday. Lee was brilliant. Jones, two goals, never stops running. I would keep that, but I would have the balance of young or O'Connor at the centre. That brings me to my next point. You've got the back three and the keeper. Um I think we need Hayden back. I think as soon as Hayden is fit, it adds it adds a lot to to to, to that defensive backline because it's more presence and it's more pace. And I think pace is where we really were struggling a little, a little bit yesterday. Uh, pace in the cover. Um, Boyle's fine. Uh, Toza is still our our sort of talismanic defender, but I think someone alongside him, like Hayden, will just bring a different a different level to it. Lastly, I know I've been banging on a little bit. So lastly, it's the keeper. Uh, and this is open to debate. What do we do? What do we do about the keeper? I mean, Foster's obviously, you know, he's had a great career. He's, he's, he's adds a lot to the dressing room, but he has conceded 11 goals in three home games. And some he's, of those he's, goals... he's conceded 21 goals in 12 games. Don't tell me that he's not in danger of challenging a very, oh, very... Like yeah, absolutely. 21 and, goals in 12 games is not good no, enough. I know. All I'm going to say before I open up to you guys, because I've been banging on a little bit, is I don't feel comfortable of a shot coming in that Foster will save it. And that is the bare minimum I want from any keeper. Andy Marriott was an absolutely brilliant shot stopper. And anything that came near him, I thought Marriott would save it. And the, re the, the any problems would be from the other parts of, of Marriott's game. But shot stopping is the bare minimum, I think, football fans want now from a keeper. Um, and there was a couple of times where he went down really slow yesterday. I can't really blame him and say that's a massive gaffe. I just want him to do a little bit better or get, or get a little bit closer to, to, to some of these shots. And like you, Tim, I do think his place is, is under threat. Yeah. I mean, I've just had a bit of a, a bit of a slightly tetchy argument on, a, on one of the WhatsApp groups about Foster and people saying that, you know, oh, well, he's been exposed. Of course he's been exposed because defence... And and the goalkeeper as a collective have not been up to scratch so far this season for the most part. You know, um, thirteen goals conceded. Yes, we scored thirteen, but I think uh, one of the guys, one of the Notts County stats lads, said that we think at home last season the league we conceded nineteen in the entire yeah. season. <laughs> so something's not quite right. Um, somebody said to me that they feel that the defense it doesn't look like the defense can trust Foster. I'm not sure that's true. Um, I just, I don't know what it is, you know. For me, when Leighton's in goal, I, I can hear him in a full stadium loud as, loud as day. I'm not hearing Foster saying anything until the ball's in the back of the net when he's he's tearing a strip off the wash just transpired in front of him. That bothers me and it irks me. And, you know, people will, will probably argue, well, how are you going to hear him in a, in a crowd full of 10,000? You just can keepers call for things. I've not seen him call for anything. There's 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 a massive issue with communication between him and his defence. There has to be. There has to be. And was he at fault for any of the goals yesterday? Could he have done better with the sum? Um I think there was a couple he maybe could have narrowed the gap a little bit quicker. 
didn't happen. He was beaten by a very, very good shot. He wasn't going to be able to say anything about that one. Yes, he's exposed, but for a keeper of his calibre, are, are we asking too much for him to be better than we kind of... We all expect him to be better than what he's turned out to be. I think that's a fair point. But then on the flip side, can we expect too much from, from a keeper really in the twilight of his career now that maybe should have left it as it was at the end of last season? I don't know. I don't know what people's thoughts are. Lots to discuss. I'm, I'm just watching some of the goals back now. I'm just watching the highlights again. I just, I don't, I don't think you can, you can do anything about the first two. Third one, you could make an argument that maybe he can get to it, but it's well placed. And at the end of the day, why are the defence letting someone get off a shot eighteen yards but, out? Um, let's, make this, let's make the argument very simple, right? He's got, he's conceded twenty-one goals in twelve games. If that's Mark Howard. Right, there's a burning effigy hanging up, hanging up from the. Oh, nearest. I agree with that. I think, I think there's right. people. So, yeah, so people would skate other people. Yeah, you have, you, have, you, that record. you have to bookend that he's an ex England international. You have to bookend the fact he's ex Man United, ex West Brom. He's had a stellar career, which of course he has. And you have to take that out of it and go, well, your your core job as a goalkeeper is to keep clean sheets. Of course, it's also so the core job of the defense, though, right? Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. So, but, but the point being is, just because we we would burn effigies to Mark Howard doesn't mean that we should start doing about Foster. Is my no, argument? What, what I'm saying, I just I just feel that, that you know naturally you feel like Foster will, will get given more leeway because of what he, what he's achieved in his career, mm. and I just feel that we're at a point now where you kind of you can't hide behind the fact he's he's been a very good goalkeeper, but the stats and the facts are. He's not filling me with confidence at the moment. Andy's just said the same thing. Mm. Um, and I don't know, it, it, it just seems a little bit on edge. And yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fair point. I think a lot of people are talking about it. I, I, I'm not sure, though. I think you could make an argument that, if anything, the fall is greater. There's big, there's greater pressure. He's, he's not afforded more leeway because of his history. His, the expectations are higher. But anyway, we've got a lot more to discuss on this. Andy, do you want to introduce our special guest who's waiting very patiently through your 10-minute monologue about yesterday's Whoa. game? Well, it wasn't a 10-minute monologue. It was a very good, very... Exactly 12. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can tell he's not hungry, but that's the reason he did it for so long. He made that point. Uh, right. We're on to introduce Andy Foley-Jones, who uh, a friend of the fanzine, who... Um, Wrexham fan for years, used to write a column for, for me in the Daily Post back in the day. Um, and, uh, well, he's got a book out. We'll come to that later. But, Andy, did you see the game yesterday? And if so, where did you see it? Um, first of all, morning, guys. Um, yes, I did see the game. Sadly, I'm, uh, I'm away for a few weeks at the moment. I'm in Fuerteventura. But I've, watched, I've managed to stream. Um, I, was, I streamed and I, I was steaming as well yesterday in a, a little village um, in the north of the island, watching the game with uh, on my on my iPad through my VPN, and um, yeah, I watched it with about fifty local Spaniards and a couple of Italians who had none of them had ever seen a five-five draw before. And I think, as you alluded to, I don't think I have. Uh, so it was it was bonkers. Uh, you know, when it when it was what what was it half time? I get a bit confused. It was four one. Was it four one? Quentin. Yeah, so I slipped into my Paddy Power account and put a bet on 5-4. I think it was 33-1. to 1. And uh, other bookmakers are available, of course. <laughs> um, that's what you have to say, isn't it, in these things? Um, 
Um, Absolutely, we are we are actually covered by the uh, license fee as well, so you have to say that. <laughs> so, so I, I'm, I'm not saying this, but I was you always know that second half are going to come out, and you know that they're going to come with a with you, know, you, you you're confident that Parky's going to do something that's going to change something, and, it, and so when it came to to when it came to four three and. But the, the locals were kind of going nuts and I was going nuts and the beers were going down and the tapas was going down, the squid was everywhere. It was it was fantastic. And obviously when they when they snatched the equaliser, it was it was pulpo all round and uh, they got the shots out. So it was a yeah, it was a it was a good, good, good night, a good afternoon and a good night. But you know, going on to the, the goalkeeping stuff, I don't want to I, I don't want to outbid Andy for monologues because um, you know, he is clearly the monologue king. Um, but the, but. You know, the goalkeeping thing, I think, I, I think we could all panic a little bit. With, um, did it, by the way, did it mean you you were my boss at the Daily Post? If I, uh, well, I, I don't I, know. I, I mean, for you. Uh, well, you were a free contributor, so um, no. Andy was yeah, Andy was the Fagin. No, was the, freelance, was Yeah, I totally. I, I don't. I don't think I can claim ownership of you. I couldn't like make you dance no, like I, I did. Say, with good copyright stuff going on here. It's just the way, just the way he says it, like he, like he's Fagin of the of the Daily Post. Oh, handing out. You wrote a column for me. One of yeah, my many that's millions. What, well, that's what I think. That, that was the tone that I just wanted to. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted just to what? get it in there straight away, just to. Uh, Andy, I think yeah. I wanted to sort of impose dominance on this podcast to show that I am the top Andy in in the two Andys. So you know, well, it was think... it was clear. It, it shows your insecurity a bit, Andy. So you need to maybe work on that. Um, anyway, the keeper situation. Anyway, goalkeepers. What do you want to talk about? Goalkeepers? Are we are we yeah. done goalkeepers? No, no. What's your what's your opinion? I think we're we're a bit on the on on the fence here about what what we would do. Um, but yeah. simple question: Does Mark Howard start in goal for you against Barrow? Absolutely not. Okay. I'd prefer to have my my ninety starting goal instead of Howard. Oh, and she she died in nineteen ninety six. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> but, but she was very nimble, wow. and she. Oh, oh, oh. She I love would the get fact that quicker you, than Mark Howard. You've deflected the controversy from me in a heartbeat. I'm a big fan of that. You can take the heat, not me. Love it. No, he's he's clearly you know you, you can't sit here and all be 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 happy that goals are being conceded. I, I totally get that, but I think I think it's bigger than that, isn't it? I think what what's weird is the way Foster seems to go down, and it, it does it does kind of mirror the way I used to watch Howard, and I used to be stunned by by his speed or lack of speed as he as he went down to make what would seem to be a, a fairly standard save or non-save because he didn't often save it. Um, and Foster seems to have or I don't know, but it seems to be if you watch it, if you if you you you're more me, if you could get something where he had a split screen and started watching his the way he goes down. Maybe I'm maybe I'm making it up, but it just seems to kind of be. He, he looks a bit like Mark Howard with his his um, what's the word technique. So maybe there's some kind of deeper issue there with, with goalkeeping coaching, and I don't know. Maybe maybe I've, I've had too many um, Estrellas or whatever. Or is it who, too who, many? Who, they've been doing too many podcasts with each other, and they are just morphing into the same person. I would prefer Leighton if, if Leighton, you know. Didn't get injured over time. I'd love Leighton. I think he's he's the best goalie, but 
he's, he's always injured, isn't he? But at least we've got now about what got number four or five. If that's slight, I like the idea of a Sligo, Sligo Rangers, is it? We signed another keeper in the last 19 minutes. There's another one due in the next 40. So by the end of the day, we're going to have 16 keepers. Yeah, we're signed, they're all linked we're to from... Irish boy bands. <laughs> Probably. We signed Liam, Liam Hall in the week from Bradford Park Avenue, another youngster. So we'll see. Part, of, part of Foster's contract is actually that we've got to sign a keeper every month to go on his podcast. <laughs> Otherwise, you can't get him on. The other thing with Foster, maybe not having a GoPro means that he doesn't feel that he's, yeah, but he likes the circus of it and he likes the, the, the GoPro behind him. Maybe. That's had an impact. Don't know. He hasn't got it in the goal anymore. I don't think he's permitted to use it. Um, no. So that thing, that thing's died a death. Well, the, the body cam thing was quite. That funny. could be an issue, couldn't it? Uh, I mean, uh, although I was initially harsh in my criticism of Foster, and I stand by it. On the flip side, he was very good at, at Wimbledon last week, and he did more than secure us a point there. Not just the penalty save; he had a good game. So he's had a good game. He's had not such a good game. So. If you just start a barrow, chances are you'll have a good game. But yeah, I think we're all similar to what you just said about Leighton being the preferred number one. But you know, as has always been the case, unfortunately. I mean, hopefully, there's no Bromley for him to get injured. There is no Bromley for him to get injured at for like the fourth season running. So um, if he comes back, it'd be interesting to see um, where Parky sees him in that squad. But there we are, the goalkeeper, goalkeepers union. Let's 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 keep talking about the defence though, Mister um, Foley Jones. What's your view, Andy, on kind of what's going wrong there from what you've seen? I, okay, I, I think again without slagging one person off, but I think Cannon has been a big issue, and it obviously gives you the opportunity of load of punning with Cannon, which is always good. You know, he's misfiring <laughs> as Parky got the balls to get rid of him. Um, Look at Andy trying to think of a canon-related pun. No, 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 no. Andy, Andy doesn't come no, up with any of these. He just gets his videos to write content for him. And no, nobody's, yeah. nobody's lit his fuse. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That one. I have a room where I have a thousand children writing a thousand puns, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go in there in a minute and and demand some Andy Cannon puns. Otherwise, they don't get gruel. Okay. Wow. If that's you know, a group of where we sit. In the old road stand, we 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 just pun during a whole game, and it's you know, we, you look at the team sheet and see who's on the other side, and it's it becomes really tedious. And the thing with punning is, I always I love punning. I think it's a real like nuance of comedy. But I listened to a Steve Coogan podcast the other week, and he he said that punning was the dab dancing of comedy. It was the lowest form of comedy, and it really hurt me because so you know maybe that's what I am. I'm, I'm a dab dancer. When it comes to comedy, well, you're with friends um, here anyway. But anyway, Cannon's Cannon's misfiring is 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 the argument you're making at the back of that midfield. Yeah, and I think like like there's a lot of love going around for Luke Young, and um, you, you you can't have anything but admiration for the way he he deals with setbacks and being dropped, and you know he's yeah you just you want him there by your side, don't you? As a if you were going out in a pub and somebody was going to start on you, you'd, you'd want Luke Young with you. He's just that kind of guy. 
So, uh, and he's, he's the games he's played, he's been fantastic. He just ups the tempo, doesn't he? Just, you know, he might not be the most technically gifted of all the midfielders we, we, we have, but he's got that invisible aura, which um, he's also improved. You know, the thing he used to do, that clapping thing, he did when he, a couple of seasons ago, and he seems to have developed a little bit more. Did you not notice he used to do this all the time? It, it, yeah, and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't enough for me. And then suddenly he's, he's I think he's, Taken quite a lot of time to enhance the way he gets best out of the group of players. I just, I just really like him. Luke, Luke Young is to clapping what Garth Crooks is to nodding, is what uh, <laughs> yeah. I've thought for a while. Um, yeah, a lot of love for Luke Young at the moment. Um, is it? Do you think that uh, Tom O'Connor would would help solidify the defence if he was to play in that defensive midfield role? Would it become the Tom O'Connor show? <laughs> yeah, I love, I love Tom O'Connor. Tom that's very good. Very good. Um, I love Tom O'Connor. Yeah, and I think he's he's great. He's great in, in the central defence, but I think he's wasted there. If, if we, we've got central defenders who do it by trade, I think he's he's wasted if he's not playing in a midfield in some um, in some place there. Um, yeah, it's... Do you have James... I always think that James Jones and Young were a bit too similar, but, you know, having... Do you have James Jones... Young Tom O'Connor, but then you've obviously got to accommodate Mr. Lee. Jonesy was good yesterday, I thought. Um, Tim, what did you what did you make of um, the midfield more generally? I should say as well, similar to you, Andy. I was um, on a flight back yesterday during the game, so I I what I was out in Mallorca for the week. I watched um, the Warsaw game. Uh, I streamed it, and then I at half time we were taken off yesterday. It was four one. Obviously, when we landed, it was five all. Um, bonkers, yeah. but um, yeah. What what were your thoughts on the midfield, uh, Tim? I mean, we've all mentioned how Lee was so good, man of the match. But we need to keep him away from corners. He can't take them. That's that's as simple as that. He can't take corners. He's awful at them. One went straight out, and one just flew over the heads of everybody. So yeah, need to keep him off them. Or trying to be game on on the set piece, but. I don't know. Midfield just... I mean, we know there's. it's not quite perfect in the way that it is. Because I noticed the difference between us and Swindon. When the Swindon midfield got the ball, the passing was always ahead of the colleague. It was never behind. They were never turned back and looked to pass it to the sides, which is exactly what we did. Our midfield gets the ball. Instead of driving forward and looking for a pass that's forward, whether there's players on or the angles are on, it was always a case we had to turn and we'd pass it behind. And I was like, why are we doing that? You know, are they forcing us into that? Is it is it a positional thing? I don't know. I think Barnett got a bit of stick yesterday. I thought he was pretty decent. He does what he does, gets to the byline, crosses it in. Um, but it's still not still not quite ticking over. And my, my only worry is that Parky's gone down this strange route early season of he's even said that he's he's gonna rotate and rotate and rotate until he finds his best eleven. Um, at what point does he find that best eleven? Is it ten games in? Is it six games in? I kind of, to me, it's like it's almost like he's throwing more shade on on the whole preseason um, tour and the scheduling for that. Um, clearly, he wasn't too happy with the way that panned out. But well, he needs to get over that, and he needs to get yeah, over that. exactly. And and young people say, well, I'm not sure young young's the the answer. Well, at the moment, he's he's one of the answers. Definitely the answer. Um, you know, you have to start him because he offers he offers 
much more protection across that defence than what we've got at the moment. As simple as that. Tom O'Connor can probably do it, probably not to the effect that Young can. And as has just been alluded to, you know, people, well, we all know it, that is that Young might not be the most technically gifted player in there now when you see what the players are around him. But in terms of what it gives you, the experience, the drive, the vision is, you know, his passing is great. I, I can't see how you how we can afford not to have him in there. He has to be in there. It's as simple yeah. as that. No, I agree. Um, you know, so yeah. that's that's the that's that's the key factor for me. Once you get him in there, I think it tends to drive up the standards of everybody else in that midfield. And when he's not in there, it maybe just isn't quite right. Um, and that you kind of got you've got Lee then driving that midfield. He's probably one of the ones that's gone under the radar as one of the kind of leaders of that group, um, which seems to be coming to the fore more. I think now. I mean, look look at that midfield against Walsall, right? You know, okay, Walsall had a couple of chances, but we looked more defensively strong because Young was spotting danger and covering it. And if you've got a defence that's uh, finding its form and, and gelling together, that's what you need. So, I mean, I can't understand why he would change a winning team and a winning midfield like that. Now, he, he might say, oh, I wanted to rest Luke Young. Well, he started one game. It's August. You don't need to rest him. And the other thing, the other thing about that is, you know, we're talking about Lee and his corners. Well, who's the best corner taker, best set piece player by a mile? It's Luke Young. Yeah. Look, if he doesn't rate Young, that. yeah. If he doesn't rate Young, fair enough. Go out and buy another defensive midfielder in that mould, but you think is technically better, and, and do it that way. But trying to play a passing, lovely passing midfield like Cannon as your defensive shield just isn't working. If I, if it was up to me, obviously you've got to pick Lee. I would pick Young at the moment, and I would pick Tom O'Connor. Uh, I think maybe him, Young and Jones are a little bit similar, uh, and maybe there wouldn't be the control there if both of them played together to, you know, to get the ball and get it to Lee. But I think, I think O'Connor can do that. It'll be a slightly, slightly advanced role for O'Connor, but he's good enough to play it because he can play anywhere. But right. Jones, Jones won't come out that side for next week because he scored two yesterday. So you well, know, he might do. I mean, who yeah. knows? Your well, so rotating. He's resting people. But look, 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 the bottom line is, we don't play as good without our club captain or team captain, whichever one he is. That's that's clear as much, clear as day, isn't it? It's just obvious. Um, and you know, the other man we had on the pitch with the captain's armband looked a little bit rattled. Got to be said, Toza um, didn't have one of his. Finer games. Um, when when you know when pace runs at our defence as it stands, we look scared to death. Yeah, we're yeah. turned and the ball's in the back of the net. So, um, to maybe be a bit more positive, we're conceding an awful lot of goals. We're scoring a lot of goals too, and looked like we could score more. I remember saying to my dad after the MK Dons game, after that bonkers game, just kind of being like, we could have actually could have won that game. There were like there were three or four quite decent chances in that game where we lost where we scored three goals. Um, sounds like I, all I've seen are the extended highlights um, from yesterday, but it sounds like it was a similar case again. There were a couple of chances that went begging. So we're creating a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like the old um, Keegan and Newcastle thing, wasn't it? When they used to be beating people three two and four three, and I've got a mate I sit by Glenn who. Who's uh, always likes the underdog? Always kind of supports Dean Keats, and and uh, he'd, he'd love a good nil-nil. You know, it, it was nothing better for him a, a nice nil-nil 
where for me I'd much prefer to have a nice five five. You know, for me, it's it's about being entertained, and whilst you know, it's, it's right that we're having a debate about goalkeeping and defensive frailties, let's be honest, it's still it's hell of an exciting, isn't it? It's like a oh, five yeah. a side match. I'm the same. Oh, yeah, I'm with exactly. you. What what would yeah. what would you prefer, uh, Tim? Would you prefer to have a really solid performance and it was a nil nil yesterday, or would you prefer what we what you guys witnessed? Um, what we witnessed, just because you kind of become accustomed to a bit of drama over the last few years. From a from a positive point of view, you know, as opposed to the sort of drama of North Ferriby United um, in the FA Trophy, you know, the sort of the drama that we didn't want. Uh, consequently, Dean Keats said yesterday um, before the match at the uh, Mice Grin, he said that if Kevin Wilkin had kept him on for an extra ten minutes, we would have won that. That's what he said um, to offer uh, coming back to the protection because all about momentum, which we saw yesterday. And if you, if you can hold out a little bit further makes a big difference, especially at that point in the game. But yeah, I'm all for the drama. Uh, and Did... I'm, all for, I'm all for Jake Bickerstaff starting mm. until Paul Mully comes back because I know there's, a, there's an argument about him being loaned out. He's already had two loan spells previously. Does he need to be loaned out again? He's got two in two. He's taken he's taken his chance really, really well. Uh, interestingly, did, did Keatsy go to the game afterwards? Do we know? I don't think so. No, no he didn't. Okay, he he would have had a heart attack, I'm sure, if he if he did. Um, anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Also, an interesting add-on to the discussion we had a couple of weeks ago already the MK Dons match to leaving early. Um, <laughs> now, for me, yesterday is your absolute classic example of why you don't leave early because for every nine of the well, for every ninety nine of those that doesn't happen, the one time it does happen, that is the best feeling ever, and you've missed it because you couldn't be asked to sit for the last five minutes of a game. Don't know, my view. Yeah. Don't write to me. Well, you, you know, you know the, whole, the whole thing about ticketing and loyalty schemes and all this at the moment, I think there should be a section where you get dock points for, for every, uh, any, every 10 seconds you leave early. So on board for that. People, you know, people who do it, but there's a, there's a little section. You see the same people, don't you, where you sit? And, you know, you, you don't know their personal circumstances, you know, all that kind of stuff, especially midweek games when it gets quite late with when there's yeah. 18 minutes of injury time. But you know, they stand up and you know that you get a bit anxious because you know they're about to stand up and you're waiting for them because you know they normally do it on like 84 minutes or whatever their preference is. And I often want to kind of grab them, you know, and just say, sit there. Wait, especially now when there's a load of injury time. You know, you, you're not just missing that four minutes or five minutes. You're missing another nine. So I yeah. think that's the way we deal with it. We we, mm. we dock them loyalty points and grab. Or them. just revoke the season tickets. Just just add that to the bulletin. Yeah, yeah, it was mad. I mean, the 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 amount of the crescendo of seats flapping upwards when that fifth one went in. It's like, oh. And I, I've always said, I've always said, that, I mean, I've always stood by it that anytime Wrexham score, um, concede five goals, that's my cutoff point. That's always been my cutoff point to leave. But in recent years, you just know, you know, this team's not dead and buried. They're just not. They go into the very end, as you just said, because of the change in the rules. So much more added time. You know, it's not like oh, you got a couple of minutes. You know, we scored twice in added time yesterday, so we made it count. Took absolute advantage of it. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure how many of them got back in. I think once you're out, you're out. I don't think they they permit re-entry. So uh, <laughs> I always yeah. find the the argument about it weird though as well. And people go like, "Oh, I'm not going to sit there and watch that disgusting performance." Like, dis- it's like it's not disgusting, is it? Like a dog coming and doing his business on your doorstep is disgusting. It's disappointing, 
that the team has not quite managed to do what we would like them to do. But it's not like they've gone and they've, you know, <laughs> gone and sort of flicked your nan when they're walking past. It's like not awful, is it? It's what? Uh, what to your nan? No, there's no <laughs> intense, is there? <laughs> I couldn't your think nan. of a decent analogy. That's twice. That's twice there, grandparents. You know, if, I, all I'm saying is, Addy, if someone walked past your nan and flicked her like that on the side of the head, you would be upset. Well, my nan's been dead for 15 for, years, so they'd exactly. have to recover up and flick her. So that is a double slight on me. For, the, for um, those listening and not watching, Reese is uh, is doing a sort of flick with his hand, like a flick to the ear. Flicky motion. Yeah, like you know, you flick your mates' ears in school, like like that. We've got it. Wow, yeah. bully Reese. All I'm, really all I'm saying out. is, you know, your your football team not playing well even having a terrible performance is not disgusting i always find those words a bit odd when people yeah. use them so well, you yeah. to the elderly crazy yeah no uh, time anyway, <laughs> like yeah. should we uh should we move on a little bit from the match we can always come back to it um so our guest uh, andrew foley jones uh is not only a, a published author many times but also played a little bit of a role in in the takeover Andy, do you want to take us sort of through uh, through what you did, and and do you know any dark secrets? Um, you're always trying to get the sleeves, aren't you? That's that's you know <laughs> that's harsh, isn't it? Um, the okay. The, the the brief background is, and again, stop me if I'm entering into an Andy Gilpin monologue territory. But I acted for myself, and I'm, I'm, I'm a partner in a law firm in in North Wales and Chester called Mackenzie Jones. Had to get a little plug in there, and. Um, we acted for the club for a number of years when it was um, fan-owned. And so I, I personally worked very closely with Spencer Harris for a while. And, um, and we, did, we did work for, you know, for nothing because obviously the, the club didn't have any money. And, and even though it was stuff that I didn't, or the firm didn't do day to day, we had probably better knowledge than, than a group of lay people. Um, and you know, I've got to say that you know, without, Spencer gets his detractors, but you know, seeing what he was doing on a day-to-day -day basis there was unbelievable. You know, doing a day job and then having to go and make decisions on things, which is a particularly nuanced business, which nobody has the experience of running. Uh, you, you, know, you don't go to college to to run a football club, and he was doing it, running a family, running a bit, you know, doing his his day job. You know, hats off to him. So all the people who used to criticise him occasionally, I used to want to say, well, come on, you, you go and make a decision. You know, someone's got to make them. And were they always right? Maybe not, but anyway, it's old ground, that isn't it? So we got got the call to say there's going to be an announcement in a couple of minutes. I haven't been able to tell you about it because there's a strict NDA, and you're probably not going to believe it. And obviously, the announcement came, and without going over old ground, it was you know, to say you wouldn't believe it is an understatement, isn't it? Um, so we we then we then got put I, I got put on the team to um, help with the deal. So you know, I didn't do all the all the deal. The other deal was done by a number of different lawyers doing different sections. And um, but there's no real, no real dark secrets to it all. It, it was, you know, it was a, a sale of a football club, and uh, so the, the usual due diligence was done. And the, the strange thing, it was, it was all done remotely because of COVID. So I, I've got to say, I was first of all very excited by what was happening, but I did think I would get to, you know, have a, a big celebratory completion meeting where we'd go and you know, go to LA or something and have a, have a, a, a bit that never happened. It was, you know, me sitting at home in my, in my double diamond Wrexham away kit, um, doing the deal on Zoom. 
Um, were you drinking double diamonds as you were doing it? Were you drinking double diamond as you were doing the deal? No, I, 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 I don't know if they does it. They still do it. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just a white lightning person, so you know, I, I just stick to that. <laughs> so it, it was, it, you know, as a as a as a lawyer and as a fan, it it was it was unbelievable. You can imagine it was. You, you just wanted to. You, you wanted to when you're speaking to the other lawyers and you're talking about things. You, which is usually a very straight laced, black and white um, process and procedure. Yeah, I just kept wanting to say, "This is amazing. I'm a Wrexham fan. We're going to be owned by you know." And I had to kind of keep this level of professionalism going. And uh, but I did get to know the lawyers very well, all of whom were football fans in their own right. So they got it. They understood that I was a, you know, a fan. I was a, essentially a volunteer. Um, who was happened just to be part of this amazing thing that went on. So, yeah, it, it was, I, th I think, stepping back a bit before the actual deal, the weird thing for me being doing a lot of law legal work for the club during the trust days was it affected my relationship with the, with the club and the people I used to go and watch the games, games with. Because part of being a fan, like we're doing now, you have conjecture, you have rumour, you have gossip, you discuss, are we going to sign so-and-so? We should sign so-and-so, we should get rid of him. I got to the point where I knew a lot of what was going on behind the scenes. So when I was having a pint before the game and people were talking about stuff, I knew the answers often and I couldn't say. And so it, it kind of affected and I started going to games and sitting in boardrooms and you know going to Barrow away and sitting in a boardroom and you know, stuff like that was surreal because there was still, I was going there as a fan. You know, I wanted just to watch the game, but I was having to do small talk about stuff, which I, you know, I wanted to leave to to the to the day job. Um, so apart from yeah, doing the deal in my double diamond top and my lucky underpants, um, there, you know, there, there isn't anything massively dark. I didn't ever get to meet them, um, which is a shame. Um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. In how how difficult was it to keep sort of all the information from everyone when you were involved? Like it must have been really hard. But I suppose you know that's part of your job. But still, this is different. Yeah, it's it's part of your job. So you you you, you train and you're one as a lawyer. You're my mates are always my family. They're always amazed. They always like if someone locally does something and you've been part of it. And they always say that my mum will say you never mentioned that some so was selling that place or that business. And I said, well, I wouldn't do what I mum. It's you know, <laughs> it's none of your business. <laughs> and so, so so you kind of get used to it, but. And, and and maybe part I, I think I was always good at keeping secrets anyway. Probably that feeling of power, you know, you, you, it's nice to know something somebody else doesn't. But yeah, the football stuff was really difficult because because it did affect the dynamic because you do sit there with your mates and you know I sit with my mates Glyn and um, Colin and Stephen and Jason and we all we all chat about stuff and suddenly I was they didn't know I was they knew I did stuff at the club, but they didn't know to the extent I was doing stuff at the club. So it, it was almost just, I suddenly became incredibly dull on match days or more dull than I normally was because I didn't, I couldn't partake in anything apart from talking about, you know, positional stuff or, you know, the goalkeeping position or someone was rubbish. But when somebody's saying, oh yeah, I've heard we're, we're in talks with so-and-so, we're going to sign him. If I knew it was, I couldn't say anything. So it was like, a, it just, it did affect it. But no, sorry, going back to going back to your question, Reese, again and monologuing. Um it, it was it was more difficult than it was for a normal non-Rexon related deal. 
because I did want to tell everyone um, <laughs> and, and I couldn't. So, well, what, yeah. what were the first words that tumbled out of your mouth when you realised it was Rob and Ryan? It, it was just, yeah, it just, I thought it was a piss take, like a lot of people. And uh, like I, I was probably more excited by the Rob McElhenney side of things because I always loved It's Always Sunny. And um, I was never as much into Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I'd seen Deadpool and and then I'd seen the other stuff which wasn't so good. Um, but it was the Rob McElhenney stuff, which I, I, I just oh, I just really like him. Just thought, thought he was, I liked his humour and I liked his offbeat way he did things. Um, but obviously it was great knowing that Ryan was the, the one with the, the real commercial sway. Um, so yeah, it was, it was like like everybody else. And then, but then yeah, it, it did turn to the whole point, thinking, oh yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to meet all these guys and um, get involved and have these big lawyer meetings. I'd have been quite happy going down to a meeting every day, you know. But we didn't we didn't have any. Yeah, can I? Well, we, we we know we know that Rob listens to the pod. I think they both do. So you know, if you want to send him a book, I'm sure he'll take it. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd love him to read the book because I think it would be right up his street. So, um, tell us about the book, Andy. Come on, that's it. But perfect link, that wasn't it? Yeah, good day. Tell us all about it. Look at that. It's covered by a guy called Jamie Pike, who does a lot of stuff for um, Tim Williams and Spirit 58. There we are. Look at that, Rob and Ryan. That would, um, that would translate into a wonderful film. <laughs> film is turning to a film pitch now. Wow. Exactly. It's not yeah, it's not what I've said. It's just yeah. Who would you get to play <laughs> Ryan Reynolds? Um Yeah, so do you want to have a little question about the book? Was that? Yeah, yeah. Well, who would you get to play if you had a film, who would play Ryan Reynolds and who would play Rob McElhenney? And tell us what the plot of this film would be, i.e., what is the book about? Okay. Um the plot of a book is I wake up in 2030 after being in a coma for 10 years, with no memory of anything that's happened in that 10 year period or indeed in my life before. And in the in the room I wake up in, which is this very bland looking um, hospital room, there's a, a cryptic psychiatrist called Dr. Paskin, who's a distant relative of um, South African legend, John Paskin. She hasn't got a moustache. I, I was gonna put that in, but I thought that might be a bit daft. And there's also uh, Rob and Ryan in the room. Um, so the next couple of weeks, they all we, we spend two weeks looking at a bank of TVs which are, are on the wall and filling me in on what's happened over the last 10 years, so from the pandemic through to 2030. And during that period, there's lots of things going on. So obviously things that haven't yet happened, which I'm predicting might happen. Um, so there's lots of political stuff, lots of uh, the Tories, the decline of the Tories, which I think will be popular through a lot of people. Um, you know, Boris and Rishi and all these end up in a purpose-built prison in the Cayman Islands. And uh, as Joe Wicks becomes Prime Minister, um, Bear Grylls is his assistant. Uh, there's alien abductions you know, from ALF, the 1980s guy who I think Ryan Reynolds has bought the rights to recently. Um, but the monarchy falls. There's there's all things going on. But in the, in the background to this, it's all about Wrexham's rise at the leagues as well, because it started off without anything to do with Wrexham. It was just about this thing of it's almost like a satirical look at what's going to happen in the 2020s. But then the deal happened and lockdown happened, and I then thought, well, I'll 
I'll bring this in, I'll bring the Wrexham deal into it. Um, and it culminates in 2030 with a winner-takes-all playoff match to get into the Premiership against FC Romans of Chester, who uh, are new, a new club. I don't know how many clubs Chester have had now, but this would be the third, wouldn't it? Um, and Hugh Jackman's bought them. So Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds are having this um, fight off to, to get into the Premier League. And that's, that's where the book finishes. So we're all in the turf. There's lots of celebrities. There's, there's Alf pretending to be a football hooligan. You're the alien. Um, Gary Lineker's in there. There's, there's a whole host of people. And, uh, and then you have to wait and see to see if we actually, if we, if we win or not. So that, that's, that's the plot. Please, somebody turn into a film. The idea of seeing Alf um, in a Stone Island jacket um, <laughs> with Absolutely. a flare in the corner of the turf is quite something. But you know what's weird? The, the, the Alf thing, you see, that, that's, that's happened. And obviously Hugh Jackman coming to the grounds happened. And, and Sinead O'Connor's in it and she's died. So there's been, I'm not saying I'm Nostradamus, but there's been some stuff that's happened already, which is pretty weird since the book's come out. Um, and again, joking aside about the film stuff, as somebody's approached about doing a film, so we're in talks at the moment about that, which is pretty exciting. Um, Fearless in Devotion gets a couple of mentions because there is there is some fact in there as well. It's not just fiction; it's kind of a, about what it's what it's what it's like to be a Wrexham fan, what it's like to be a football fan, um, about the locality. Yeah, there was, a, I suppose, a, from a commercial sense, there was an eye on the North American market thinking that anything to do with Wrexham, you know, people will be interested to know a bit about the history, about what's happened and and, uh, and the journey we've, we've been through. You know, so there's, there's little moments like when Dorking fans are singing, where were you when you were shit? You know, and the, those ironic moments. Um, and, and then the other backstory to it is you, you kind of find out how I ended up in a coma as, as well. That's one of the, the side stories. So there's, it's either I've been smacked in the face in a, football hooligan um, issue with Scunthorpe United um, or whether it was a guy I play five-a-side with called Bal, who's Hungarian, who took offence to me making some comment about his mum's goulash um, or whether I had a car accident with Robin Ryan. So you kind of find out how I actually fell into a coma. So yeah, it's been out for, it's been out for a month now, so it's, it's doing well. What's the reaction been like? Yeah, it's been good because it, it, it's always one of those things you put something out there and you've got to have a thick skin to put something out there, whatever you do, haven't you? whether you're doing a podcast, a fanzine, in a band. Yeah, I always I, I always respect anyone who does anything because I think if you put yourself out there, you've you've got to give somebody respect for doing it. It's it's, it's a bit like the people who like Spencer Harris off, you know, it, it's easy to sit there in the shadows, isn't it? And criticise, you know, it, it, for me, there's never a shit there's never a shit book there's never a shit band there's never because you've gone out there and you've had the balls to do it um so but yeah there, there is that feeling when you know it's gone out and you wake up the next day and you think I mean, especially now with social media and amazon reviews that if somebody wants to take a pop at you they can do it really severely now and really hurtfully um so even though you kind of wake up with a thick skin you you go and you check out your first review and you're thinking, oh, this could set the scene and, you know, the, the reviews have been great. And um, there's been you know, lots of people contacting me about doing stuff with it. Um, someone wants to do a, an audio book of it and trying to get the famous characters together to, to do it, which would be great. 
So um, yeah, it's good. It's good, and it, it, that just gives you a bit of confidence then as well. But what you're that you're not just a lunatic who's who's writing your stuff which um, people don't want to read. Or maybe I am. I don't know. Maybe I'm deluded. What more can you tell us about the film? Is or is that very much hush hush? The talks. Um, yes, yeah, some, somebody approached me um, about another book I'd done about. I'm not doing a double plug here because that would be that'd be shame too shameless. Uh, I did a book about Wales getting to to the um, semis and the Euros called um, "Don't Take Me Home: A Cat Called Robson Carnu," which again was a surreal kind of half part fact, part fiction journey of of me and my mate Richard going around France. Um, and ended up you know, in all sorts of scrapes and different wacky style races around France and obviously with a backdrop of the Wales team doing fantastic. Um, but he contacted me about that and then found out about the Wrexham book. Um, he, it sounds very glamorous, but he was in Cannes at the time doing some film stuff. And he, there was a woman out there who was doing proofreading for my for Wrexham book. And they got chatting and she said, oh, there's this book that I think you'd love and would be a great film. So she kind of set the, the motion. He then, she said, would you be okay to have a chat with him? And I was like, trying to be cool, but you know, yeah, yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah, we'll have a chat with him about making it into a film. Um, so we had, a, we had a, a Zoom call the next day and, and he's, he's, you know, he's looking to turn it into a script. So it's, um, yeah, it's possible, but like anything, you know, these things, some things come off, some things don't, but um, it's all exciting. Very exciting. Well, we'll have to have you back on to discuss uh, when when that film is announced. Uh, big Hollywood budget, I'm assuming. We can. Well, uh... Who knows? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know what? I'd actually like it to be something Welsh. I'd like it to be like a Welsh, like bilingual um, mm. film to try and keep. Of obviously, with lots of Hollywood money swilling around in the background. <laughs> Mainly and, in uh, your pocket. I, I don't think. You yeah, I'm saying. I don't think you said who you're going to get to play Robin Ryan though. Did you cast them? Um, I'd like Rob and Ryan to play themselves. Or well, how I, about get, get Rob to play way. Ryan and Ryan to play Rob? <laughs> Maybe, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I thought, you know, we could... And Danny DeVito to play you. People who leave re good reviews on Amazon, I say, look, there's a cameo role for you in it. So it's, um, you know... I want to play Geraint. Pardon? I want to play Geraint. I think... I think well, need a wig. I've I, I bagged... I, I've, Promised to go right, he can play himself, but you know, maybe he, he could play, play you. Joe Parkinson. <laughs> yeah. But I play your mate from Five Aside, your Hungarian one, whose mum makes shit goulash. Well, he he's just he's a funny character. He's a really, really good footballer. We, we play on a Tuesday night in Chester, and um he's a he's a great footballer, but he's really lazy. And when I play five aside, I kind of, for me, if you get a bit bit like Luke Young, I'm not saying I'm good as Luke Young, but yeah, I I'll I'll give him all that. Because I think if you're going to play, play properly, you know, track back. And he doesn't track back. And it, I go insane because he doesn't track back. And then we end up having a bit of a row. And, you know, his, his, his mum's goulash comes into the equation and it all goes a bit messy. Um, but no, if it, if, it, if it comes to a film, I think, you know, you, you, you lads need to be in it. Thank you. Well, we'll hold you to that and we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll play Angry Man number three. <laughs> <laughs> you guys Angry Hangover Man. Man doing monologue in pub. Yeah. No can I, can I play one of Alf's, Alf's mates? Love Alf. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't love Alf. Um. Right. Should we tie this up, lads? Because yeah. the, the the lionesses are on, and I wouldn't mind watching it. Um. Uh. Predictions. Have we got a midweek game? Sorry, I should know the answer to no. this. No. No. First Tuesday no. off this this season. 
Great. All right. So we've just got Barrow away. I'm going and I'm going corporate. So £46 at uh, the Barrow Stadium gets me a match ticket and gets me as many Scotch eggs as I can eat. The and Barrow eggs. Stadium, is that what it's called these days? Well, what's it called? Holker Street. Holker Street. I've been there before. It's bloody cold. Yeah, but um, I can eat a lot of Scotch eggs, so they, Barrow's owner may be walking out that ground with his pockets turned out by the, <laughs> by the end of that match. Um, I <laughs> reckon... Partridge about, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I... <laughs> you got your nine-inch plate, Andy? <laughs> Uh, I will bring my own um, serviettes. Uh, so, right, basically, look, it's a clash of styles. I think we'll be up for the fight. Um, I'd love Hayden to be back. I probably can't see it, but I think we're going to win 2-1. Tim? Uh, after my um, my foster lamenting, we're bound to keep a clean sheet, aren't we? So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for 2-0 to Wrexham. Reese. Oh, it's all. A, I was going to go for a win, but it's all a bit too positive for me. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Up well, do north. do what you think is going to happen. Not just don't react to what we do. If That's we put our hand in a fire, would you not put your hand in? A, I, I don't know where I'm going I with wouldn't. that analogy. You had a hand in an inferno. I I believe in the universe and it works in mysterious ways. So I'm going to say one-all. Uh, finally, Andy, uh, I'd say a four-three win with a last-minute. Diving header from Ben Foster. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. He's been up front though in a Stuart Pearce style uh, style move, uh, and and it's actually uh, Mark Howard in goal. Uh, no. okay. Great. Come on, Connie. Uh, thank you, uh, Andrew, for joining us. Really interesting. We'll definitely have you back on later on in the season, I'm sure, when the film gets announced. Uh, thank you all for listening as ever. Get in contact with us on the various social media channels. YouTube, Twitter, X as it is now, um, Instagram, those kinds of things. You can buy us a coffee if you want to fund Andrew's uh, alcoholism. Um, and uh, 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 but yeah, speak to you next week. Bye bye. Thanks everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.